You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I had the strangest experience this morning. I was on my way to Jim Reed's bookshop, which is the second most important place in Birmingham. And um, as I was coming back to the church, I saw a chap, didn't have my glasses on, and he was dressed exactly as I was. He had a blue blazer and gray flannel slacks. And he, I didn't have my glasses, and his hair was the same color. And he looked exactly like me, about 50 yards away, And then I ran into him, and it was actually my friend Norman Jetmanson. (laughs) And then I went on a ways, took my glasses off, and to the next street, and um, a chap with a blue blazer and gray flannel slacks was crossing the street, and I knew the man, uh, another fellow, a lovely adventer. And then I said, you know, this is like that Twilight Zone episode with Vera Miles, uh, when uh, called uh, Something in the Dark, when she keeps seeing herself in a bus station. And then I got to, um, to the front of the church to go in, and I saw another chap with white hair and a blue blazer and gray flannel slacks. And I said, either I'm in Birmingham or I'm in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> it was that what I say to you actually happened. Um, and that is simply to use up some emotional time uh, before I get into what I'd really talk about today. And um, I'm going to read three verses from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans. And I want to talk about imputation, imputation, which for my money is the most direct means of change for a person. I want you to think a little bit about the person in your life whom you would most like to see change, but who is seemingly absolutely proof against any kind of serious change. I want, that's probably you, by the way. I, and, uh, but let's distance it. I'd like you to think about the one person in your life who appears to be, whom you love, who seems to be the most changeless and aggravatingly so. And we're going to talk about change. Now, in um, this chapter 4 of Romans, Paul writes this. David pronounces a blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Quote, blessed are those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not impute his sin. Well, that's ancient Bible talk for the fact that David blessed people despite their actions or their outward comportment. God, he said, reckons satisfactory being upon a person apart from his deportment or his conduct or his appearance. And Paul goes so far as to say, 
Blessed is a person against whom the Lord will not impute his sin. Well, that's all fairly theological, but it is extremely profound. And Hannah Arendt, the great Jewish apologist and Holocaust writer in the 1950s and 60s, said that St. Paul was the first person in Western civilization to come upon this strange and unusual idea of changing somebody by means of regarding them other than they come across. Now, let's, let's define it. Let's talk a little bit about it. Then I'll give some examples. Imputation is when you treat somebody other than the way they deserve to be treated. Um, you, um, or you regard them and show that you see them differently than the way they actually appear to be acting. You, um, somebody says to me, you know, my husband treats me like a princess. He treats me like the queen all the time. I'm not worthy of it. He has the wrong idea about me, but I do like it. Um, or, um, you know, um, she thinks I know a lot more about this subject than I do. She treats me as some kind of an expert, but I'm actually a, a total neophyte. Or he imputes to me unselfish motives in relationship to this particular thing that I do not have. Um, <laughs> The thing about imputation is it, when you are regarded positively, when you feel negative about yourself, it almost always engenders the very quality that you don't have. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? If I regard you as a certain way, but that's not how you see yourself, it has the uncommon and very striking effect of making you that way. Have you ever known a, 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 say, a young lady who regards herself as a plain Jane? I mean, the, there are none, but let's imagine there were. Um, and, and, and suddenly, you, you meet her after Christmas vacation, or you haven't seen her for six months, and she's really pretty. <laughs> well, you, what do you think has happened? Someone loves her. She has become the way she is regarded. I, I saw this in college and high school all the time. You've seen it. Maybe you were the plain Jane, or you were the dweeb, you know, the, the dork, that uh, some girl, for some unknown reason, seemed to think was a cool person. <laughs> she was wrong, but um, what... <laughs> I, I saw it once, you know, I tell stories now, I've been doing this long enough that most of the people that I know from my earlier ministry are dead, so I can use their names, but I don't mind using this name. Tom Dunkerton was a remarkable Christian layman up in Westchester County. And he had a son who, he was in our church, and the son couldn't get himself together. The son was vastly overweight. The father was extremely successful in New York City. The child was overweight and feckless. And he ended up getting kind of a job taking messages in a, in a newspaper, a regional newspaper, nothing. And then, after a year, he completely got himself together, went into journalism, and became a distinct
distinguished journalist. He was unbelievable. He lost weight. He looked confident. He was poised. He was interested. And he was successful. And of course, what do you think was the reason? I mean, everybody here knows. Tom Duncan has said, I don't understand it, but this young girl that he met really thinks he hangs the moon. And that's all it took to turn him into a human dynamo from being really, really pathetic. Now, I mean, do you see what this does? Has anyone treated you that way? I mean, as someone, especially at a low moment, let's say you were at a low moment in your career, or you were at a low moment in your relationships, or you were at a low moment in how you looked, maybe something had happened, an illness or something, and you were at a low point of confidence as a man or as a woman, and out of the blue, someone seemed to see in you something that you didn't have in yourself. I see this so often, like all the time, and this is the great instrument of change. Point one, imputation is the great instrument of change. Now, I'll I'll apply it to the Bible in just a minute. Um, Do you all remember the movie Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein? No, it's one of the great classics of world cinema. And um, it was Jerry Garcia's favorite movie. But... um, This is true, but there's a great scene in it when Lon Chaney, who plays the Wolfman, is talking to Bud Abbott and Lou Costello about his dilemma. And he says, can't you see? When the moon is full, I change. I become a wolf. And Lou Costello says, oh yeah, so do 40 million other guys. Well, um, that's the point in the sermon. That's called the pivot. the, the, what I want you to understand is that imputation, which is a fancy Latin word, which is when you regard someone other than they ostensibly are and feel about themselves, is a change agent of supreme magnitude. And this applies to your son and to your daughter and to your husband, to your wife, to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend, to your grandchild. Now, if I were giving a long theological um, uh, uh, address, I would say that the gospel first says, God loves the unlovable. He's the friend of sinners. The way he does it is by justifying us. If we believe that God loves us that way, we no longer have to live our lives defensive. This is all in the head, but, that's the, but I'm getting to somewhere real. But how does it get written on my heart? The gospel of justification is written on my heart by means of imputation. That is where it is written on the heart. It's the point of the pencil. It's the change agent. And I really want to think about your struggling child. I mean, I want you to think about your, because many families have at least one child who's struggling or lost, uh, or maybe your husband who's descending into greater and greater depths of uh, habitual mental confusion, or your, uh, someone else you love who's anxious and uh, chronically anxious, and you just want 
everything to help them, but there's nothing you can do. And we find that, um, that the only thing that actually works is imputation. Now, it's costly to the one who is imputing because it means constantly putting on them a picture of themselves that they do not have within themselves. Let, let me talk a little bit about how this works and then I'll finish with an illustration. Um, didn't I say yesterday that if you have a person in your life whom you want to change, does confrontation ever work? Tell me one time when confrontation has worked. There was only two hands in the back. Um, tell me one time, um, this, uh, when it, what did St. Paul say? He said, when law comes in, that's confrontation, the trespass increases. So the moment you come and tell me what I ought to do, um, even if I'm, you're totally right, which you usually are, I fight it. Matter of fact, oh yeah, and I'll come back at you twice. Um, we were visiting a couple we love. Gosh, it was 50 years ago. I was at Phelps Hospital in uh, Ossining, New York, and there was this really attractive, very preppy Westchester couple, and she had just given birth to her second child, and you just couldn't see a more perfect picture of what people thought people were supposed to look like of that era and, and generation. And I was just about to knock on the door of the hospital, and I heard the woman's shrill voice saying, don't you tell me what to do. And, and I, I was so shocked by this temperamental outburst against her husband, who was obviously lecturing her, lecturing her about her health or something like that, that I, I retreated. <laughs> I left. I couldn't face it. And I learned at that point, I mean, he had tried to straighten her out something about her diet or about her medication or about some habit she had. She was only 24, and um, out had come. And I realized then that the Bible was right when Paul said, when law comes in, the trespass increases. So how do you really help a person to change? Well, it's costly, but it's powerful. And if God has done it for you or another person, you can do it for another. Let me give you two examples and I'm done. There's a movie that you have got to see. Now, you probably haven't seen it because it's, it's available. You can stream it. It's from 1942 and you can stream it on Netflix. It's available and it's called The Big Street. It stars Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda. And it's an old-style movie based on the writings of Damon Runyon, who really understood the gospel. He was a 1930s sports writer who understood the gospel. And in this movie, which is about lowlifes, um, and it's Lucille Ball's only serious movie, she is a dreadful, avaricious, narcissistic, mean-spirited gold digger in New York society. And she is, however, at one early point, a terrible man gets so mad at her and he hits her and she falls down a flight of steps and is paralyzed irretrievably from the waist down by this terrible attack. Henry Fonda plays a busboy in the restaurant and he has decided 
to love this impossible, avaricious, mean, and hectoring woman because he just does. And now that she is completely paralyzed from the waist down, he's able to love her in a way that is extraordinarily meaningful. And he steps in, has no money, he has no couth, and he takes care of her for the rest of the movie. He wheels her down from New York to Miami Beach in her wheelchair by means of thumbing rides. And he always calls her princess, your highness. And she's terrible to him. She's mean to him. She takes advantage uh, of his kindness. She treats him like a lackey and a, a terribly, but he never stops, ever stops treating her as your highness. And I'm going to give it away because I don't really care about spoilers when the movie was made 50 years ago. <laughs> I don't care, you know, Hamlet, don't spoilers. You know, um, <laughs> at the very end of the movie, she's rejected him again, but he refuses to reject her, and she's dying. And they're at a nightclub, and she's dying. And he says, Your Highness, I'm going to dance with you. And he lifts her out of her wheelchair, and he dances with her through this beautiful music. And she turns to him and she says, Little Pinks, I think I love you. I've never been happy before now. In fact, if I could, I'd marry you. And she dies. It's one of the most powerful things. So what I thought as I watched The Big Street, made in 1942, is even with the most impossible specimen of recalcitrant human nature, it always ultimately works, the change agent. Well, um, I'm just going to close by saying, how can we, what can we do about this? Well, the main thing you can do, I said it yesterday, but I want to say it again. If you have somebody in your life who is like a block of ice when it comes to a pattern or a habit or a formed temperamental scar that goes way back. Remember if somebody ever treated you when you were in that kind of a place. And I will bet you that almost everybody here at one point was loved totally regardless of how you saw yourself, felt about yourself, or actually were, and that you'll never forget it as long as you live. At the end of the musical, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, the man who's an absolute jerk finally realizes that the only thing that he has in life that is valuable, and it is eternal, is the love of his extraordinarily imputing wife named Evie. And he sings a song before he dies, Someone Like You, Evie. And I would say that if you can emotionally connect with when you were loved by imputing love, you will at least find it, for a minute or so, it will pour out of you towards that particular individual that is so on your heart 
and is so persistent. And it ultimately, by the grace of God, ultimately always succeeds. Dear God, help us to root our lives in the love of imputation, especially when we've been not worthy of it at all. And then by your mercy, flip the switch so we can love those we love the same way that you have loved us. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.